how life and death already is. Like, there's already humans constantly walking the indoor and the outdoor of this earth, and it's like this little period where it's like people who are already very likely, much more likely in this short-term little window to go. So it's not like... I guess at a certain point it becomes like the Black Plague, where it is just a huge swath of the population getting wiped out, but it's kind of just like all of these events of people, you know, the older generation of people's family leaving that would be spread out over a long time is, like, condensed. Right, yeah. And that's the real tangible effect. Yeah. That I've seen. Yeah. But uh, I sure am glad that things are, you know, getting back to normal. Mm -hmm. Because I really, it's so funny, you see people out right now, you know, and they get out. And they haven't been out in so long. They just look so happy. <laughs> they're just like, you know, they're, you're like, ooh, you know, <laughs> this is great. And yeah, there is. There's a little bit of a sense of euphoria. There's like the springtime thing, too. Because I think last year, spring happened, but it was like, I don't know. The things that people said about it were like, oh, look, like spring is happening. The association in people's minds was like, Oh, I see nature coming back because, like, humans are off the streets. Right. That's, like, what people were thinking, and, like, we're not participating in it, whereas now we're participating in the spring. We're, like, going out in the spring. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's why I was talking about the heartwood earlier, too. It was, like, um, they had their food fest, you know, farmer's market on that Thursday, mm -hmm. which is, like, the one, uh, four to seven. And you get out there, and it's everybody in the, in the grass yard, and they're all just so happy. Yeah. They're all just, like, <laughs> glowing, you know, like, this is so much fun to be out in public, and everybody there is cool, and, you know, kids running around, and dogs running around, and it's just, like, a cool spot. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to see that coming back, um, you know, from being on total lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're all getting to that point, too, where... You know, you ask somebody how they're doing, and they're, they're usually people like, oh, they'll fake it, and they'll be like, oh, I'm doing good, you know, <laughs> but now everybody is like, I'm, I'm all right. You know, they're like actually really affected. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can see they're like, you, I get that answer more and more often, like, how's it going? Well, I'm, I'm all right. You know, and it's like, oh man, COVID is, is really taking its toll uh, emotionally and mentally on uh, especially musicians. Yeah. You know, because we've been... A, our livelihood, all their livelihood and stuff has been affected so drastically and and even the greatest of artists, you know, are like no work. Exactly. You yeah. <laughs> no matter what, you had a bad year. At the very least, yeah. it was not a good year. <laughs> yeah. But there is some really great byproduct out of this, man. I see, you know, with every tragedy is like there's a beautiful, you know, rainbow overtone. And that is how many people have now had the time to get production skills. Right. Like so many people I know now, musicians who never touched a recorder or recording, right. who never did any kind of audio engineering or, or doing that, who never worked with any kind of like video production or doing that, and they're doing it together. Right. And so that's kind of cool because I, we used to tell people, man, these are the skills that are like you really, really need. <laughs> right. And now, now, now they've had time to actually, you know, do it and they're all happy about it. Right. Yeah, well, for me, it was getting over a threshold where now, you know, again, getting to the point where, like, self-expression in the medium is a thing. Because I kind of, you know, I did the, the music tech class and did the little projects and did the, you know, mix three signals and make them all audible and that. But, like, exactly that, having the time to sink into it and be like, okay, well, I've just recorded, you know, 20 things, record, mix, master, beginning to end. Now I can look at that as a sample group and be like, oh, you know, I can take what I liked about this top 20% cream and really like sink into that. And now it's like my creative root is affected by it. Whereas before it was just kind of like a means to an end. Now right. it's really part of it. Well, <clears throat> what I like is just so many people are doing like asynchronous recordings, but I was like talking about that mm -hmm, before. Mm -hmm. So it's just really nice that there's so much going on because you get a track in the email, you lay down the track, you send it back. You know, then they send it back to somebody else who lays down this, and somebody else they send it to mixes it. Right. And then, like, you hear it back, and you're like, man, this is great. Um, you know, Jose and I do a lot of that stuff where we just bounce tracks back and That's forth. Cool. And, and we did an album with uh, Alex Acuna and uh, some of his other friends. And it was just nice just to, you know, I just did my keyboard parts right here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those really... Uh, 
fortunate things to see people going that route. Mm-hmm. And it affects people too. Like I can talk, like we have, you know, Eric Abernathy, mm-hmm. guitarist. Oh yeah. And um, his fiance Giselle. Well, they went through the recording stuff and getting the recording skills and stuff like that. And, and they went and, um, you know, recorded tracks and submitted them to Downbeat this year. Mm-hmm. And they won. Cool. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. That's awesome. Yeah, they won a downbeat for one of their tracks. That's awesome. And that's a that's a byproduct of like them getting production skills. And, yeah. And they both know how to do it. And then Eric is really getting into it now. Like he's like he's he's specializing how he records his bass and how he records his guitar cool. and and how he records the vocals and he's getting he's like researching it like an engineer. Exactly. You know. And so they're putting out stuff that's winning. Right. Right. Well, it's like the exponential feedback loop that you get in of like, oh my gosh, like now that I am the player and the engineer, it's like there's a loop. It's like you can be greater than the sum of just those two parts by like fully understanding both steps. Right, right. And of course, you never feel sufficient in either one. Oh my gosh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because my engineer self is like, oh, you should play it like this, and your transients are all over the place and everything. The volumes are inconsistent. I'm going to have to compress the heck out of this. Yeah. And it's like, come on, man, take it easy. I'm just trying to express myself. Yeah, your inner inner arguments can get really heated in that situation. Yeah. And nobody, nobody hears themselves as worse than the musicians listening to themselves. Oh my you know, god! Everything. Right, right. Because they hear everything that they, every door they've come through. Yeah. You know, and and it's always like, oh no, please don't let me listen to myself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the first threshold was getting to the point with with something that I had recorded, mixed, and done everything like. Can I stand the experience emotionally of sitting in the car with someone while I show them this track? <laughs> Any person. Once I get over that line, like, that was a big, but, like, then you get past that, and now I'm focused on finer details, and it's nice. You know, now, now I'm almost able to step back and actually enjoy it like a listener. Right. Rather than someone who's hearing it, seeing it splayed across, like, you know, eight layers on a computer screen picturing something that no person is picturing at all. Like, what someone pictures is there's, like, kind of vaguely the face of the singer, and they're in this space, and then there's, like, swirly colors where all the instrument goes, and, like, that's kind of it. Like, it's not, like, everything, like, finally, like, defined in the beginning and end of each note of the bass is, like, no, no one hears like that. No. No, they do not. Yeah. Well... Jose and I also, this guy, our new music business guy, who I really want you to meet, I, I really think he's one of the, the greatest musicians in the world today. Okay. And that's a big statement. Oh, yeah. But he's uh, he's really fun performer, and, you know, he's just absolute beast on the flute, mm-hmm. plays sax like Train, picks up the bass, plays like Lichter Wooden, goes over to the keyboard, hits the keys, walks over to the drums, mm-hmm. nails those. Um, but he's, uh, he's kind of brought this whole new music business acumen with the new music business and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and you know the teaching of contracts and the teaching of how to do this and that that's all in the music production side yeah and um, what we're seeing because of that is this just this boost of people having that education and having that knowledge and they're happier as musicians oh yeah they're just like man you know I can do this and my buddy Thomas Elaine you know Thomas Elaine Mm-mm. singer he's playing with a, a band right now called Late Night Losers okay he was a jazz minor, but he also now, he on his tracks, he'll sing, he'll play the piano, mm-hmm. he'll play the guitar, the drums, and uh, and do it all himself, you know? And it's like, you know, I remember when he wanted to be a jazz minor, he was like, do you think I can do it? And I was like, yeah, I think you can do it. <laughs> and now he's doing everything. Doing now, and now job. he's got a band called the Late Night Losers, and they're pretty hot. Awesome. It has uh, Wilson on drums in there. Oh, really? Another Wilson? Another Wilson. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's very few. Mm-hmm. But so what else is going on with you, man? What is, uh, what's been swinging? Like, what are your, like, this is what I want to do this summer. Totally. Well, I'm just kind of letting things naturally unfold because what I did over the quarantine time was just get my workflow organized in all of these really nice neat levels so I have all these filters that artistic ideas go through that lead to whatever different things so there's the podcast itself which has just open conversations like this uh, but then sometimes I'll take sound bites from that and I'll actually make uh, audio con- uh, compos- 
compositions like music concrete, but like kind of like hip hop music concrete. It's like oh, samples nice. of these conversations and beats, and so then those become mixtapes and like song ideas, little nine or ten minute you know things of two or three musical ideas that actually come out as musical interludes, like in between these talks. Oh, and then nice. the next layer is I, after doing that for almost an entire year, I just. Uh, started an artist page which is a separate thing it's not in the podcast section it's just supposed to be for uh, singles and albums so I just did four singles I'm going to do one more and then start the process of deciding like what I'm going to do an album of because I don't know if it's going to be is it like solo singer songwriter with electronic production is it solo singer songwriter acoustic is it going to be a group is it going to just be instrumental funk and jazz influenced dub right i don't know yeah. but it will be one of those things because it has i now have like fully produced out mixed mastered stuff that i can listen to and i can you know think of people that i want to record with or whatever and have them sit in the car and listen to the process where we right. listen to it from start to finish so what i'm excited about is starting to show the music to more people and decide kind of how i want to flesh out a full album so yeah. it's exciting and like possibilities and jam sessions and like the really really fun part well yeah and it's like the thing is you know like doing an album is going to take some work yeah and then you're like so if i'm going to put in this work what's it going to be a hundred percent you know and you're like okay i have to get it jose and i just did a a track for the faculty um the faculty recital which everything had to be online so they wanted a three-minute track Mm -hmm. and we did a, a dance track called so dance Cool. Kind of really uplifting. We're dancing on oh, it. Oh, cool, cool, cool. We play all the instruments on uh-huh. the album, um, or on the on the recording, and it's kind of got this message. And you know, it's during COVID, so we have to wear masks. Even when I play the piano, I got a mask and a blindfold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing all that kind of stuff. But so we're we're trying to work on this a new genre called dance pop, cool. where it's like club music, uh-huh. but it's interlaced with actual bebop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that know? sounds cool. So it has like, you know, your normal, you know, hooks and singing and vocals and, you know, the whole global vocal sound of stacking the tracks uh-huh. and has all mm-hmm. that. But then it also has, you know, eight bars of the just burning his flute solo. Yeah. Or <laughs> solo or, and so we're, we're working on kind of like making a style like that, a genre like that called dance pop where, where artists can put out those kind of recordings and they sell. And they make money. Mm-hmm. And no, it's not, you know, you're not putting on giant steps and, you know, 100%. all this stuff. But you've got, you know, if you've got three or four tracks that are really burning out there as a, uh, you know, commercial artist, then that money filters back into the creative products. You know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no reason that you can't release the totally trad acoustic version of the tune as well and let the dance track promote the, the you know heavy traditional stuff yeah yeah well we got we got like different shows we've we've got like this you know kind of dance yeah. show where he's like he has actually has a bunch of tracks like hundreds of tracks that he's done uh-huh. and and it's like dance you know could do a whole wedding cool like that just himself even yep you know and um then you know we've got like a latin show and a hip-hop show and you know a straight ahead jazz show mm-hmm. and as you can see we got a funk show yeah mm-hmm. you know and so we're just trying to trying to create avenues and opportunities for people to find each other. Yeah. And then, you know, do stuff. We have these jazz series that are down at the Keys Piano Bar at Celebration Point. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah, I've, I've been seeing those flyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's become, like, the new Hippodrome Jazz Series. You know, oh, remember, okay. Remember we were doing the Hippodrome yeah. Jazz Series? Um, so now I started at the Keys Piano Bar, and it's great. They have the live stage. They have the mm-hmm. speakers, you know. They have all the... The piano's all set up. You just come and plug and play. Yeah, I was in a group we were rehearsing in that space, and it is. It's a nice stage, and it feels good. The like the yeah. way it's laid out is nice, and it sounds good. I agree. Yeah. So anyway, that's been like the spot where cats are coming and sitting in, and mm-hmm. you know, cutting their teeth, and you know, we give them a night. Okay, this is your night. You know, tell us what songs you want to play, and you know, I've got a house band. That's me and Nolan Staples on the bass, mm-hmm. and uh, and Bill Felt on the trumpet. I don't know if you know him. But uh, we just bring these guys in and try to give them a chance to, you know, be a star. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. And have people discover them. And what we find is they, uh, yeah, they're all working together like, oh, man, it's great to hear you. It's great to hear you. We should play. Right, exactly. 
Yes, we should. <laughs> well, yeah, just having an avenue exactly for people to find each other. Because, I mean, that's that's what a university should be. It's what a university town should be. You know, it's the role of that should be the establishment working together with, like, the organic, like, person-to-person, with the scene, with the hang. The hang and the scene and all of that should be, you know, integrated with the with the structure. Yeah. In as, as good a way as it can. Yeah, and I, I don't think people, like a lot of young musicians don't understand, like, nothing's going to happen in the practice room by yourself. Right. Like, you know, you're not going to all of a sudden be, like, so seriously motivated to do something as if when you see a live player and you're like, holy cow, mm-hmm. like, now I want to practice, you know, and you get that, that energy um, that you can only get from an environmental demand. Mm-hmm. Like, you get out in there and you're like, wow, this guy's... This guy's, it's like when I went to North Texas, and, and I had never written any music, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I gotta write a big band chart, and it seemed impossible at first, Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I go over Johnny's house to hang out, and Johnny's writing a big band chart, and then I go over to Matt's house, and he's writing a big band chart, everybody's writing a big band chart, and I go, well, I guess I better just do it. Exactly, you know? exactly. That's like the environmental demand, Yeah. And, and people aren't getting that in COVID. Right. They gotta get back into it. Yeah, get that feedback loop going again. I've been thinking about that too. All of the like potential energy that is normally built up in the practice room, and then it's like the really good live moments, or you're seeing someone just like release all that. It's like this yeah. is what I have practiced, and also I'm feeling these emotions, and it's working. <laughs> and it's like those are the moments. But it's like we've got like a lot of the potential charge of like everyone's practiced a lot. Anyone who practices at all practiced more, but like anyone who plays at all has played less so there's a lot of energy that's waiting to like last out yeah yeah and hopefully you know we can help people learn to do that because most of the time when I watch performers nowadays especially if they come out of music schools Mm -hmm. they have no idea how to perform right like they only know how to play and they don't understand like your audience is going to see you like 80% visually first and so you just spent all this time on this 20%, but you've left this whole other performance side. You don't know how to be in touch with yourself. Exactly. You, they don't know how to pour it out and just release it. You know, it's all very contained. And um, like you can see on that video I was just showing you, we were performing. Oh, yeah. You know, we were like going, we're going to dance. It was 100% visual. And I could tell that not only had there been a direction, but each person was engaging in it in their own way. They're like, right. I'm going to go ham the way I go ham. Right, right, right. But I love seeing people like that because we did a show Monday night with uh, Jose last Monday, and it was a funk show at the Keys mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And people were dancing. That's cool. And there's people from Shan's Hospital and the little Brazilian community pocket and students pocket and some of our classes and stuff. And and everybody is just like hanging, and um, I was just watching them as they were watching us play, and they were just smiling. From ear to ear, they were yeah. just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like like it had affected them like yeah. like that. Where like they were in a completely different space that they can't experience anything by themselves with. That this is like, I'm watching this live band and they are just crushing it. Yeah, because um, Jose performs. Like, right. You know, he'll he'll sing, do the bass at the same time. He'll shout. He'll get people clapping. He'll hold, hold up his phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wave the phones. You know, uh, and it's really natural. It's like not forced. Right. You know. He's got. A, he's got. A, he's a good performer. Yeah, well, when people feedback off of that, I feel like that's when it really works. You know, it's yeah. like when they allow the crowd to hype them up a little bit, and then again, loops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it when the crowd starts going bananas. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa! They start standing up on the keyboard. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you guys keep turning up like this, and I put my foot on it. Yeah. <laughs> you just wait and see. <laughs> So that's on Monday nights, and then on Wednesday nights, playing down at the Bull with uh, Joe Bridenstine, this trumpet player from Philly. Oh, cool. If you haven't heard him, he's a really, really nice player. Take a listen. We actually just recorded his album here in the house. Um, it's up on Spotify now, um, playing keys on that, but I'm playing with him on Wednesday nights, and, uh, and he's really gracious to let cats sit in. You know, oh, okay, cool. Like, when I first got here, people had their gigs, and nobody like, was sitting in on jazz gigs. Right. It, it was more like a pop gig. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're in a pop band, someone says, can I sit in on bass? You're like, no. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we, we got a show, bro. Yeah. But jazz gigs, you know, it, I've always thought of them as, like, 
people should you should always have if someone's coming out to your gig and they're sitting there and they're watching you play for two hours and they got their horn and they're a decent player yeah you know like hey come up and sit in on a tune and so we've been doing a lot of that on on uh, Monday nights and cultivating a lot of really nice players cool yeah that's good yeah again the scene the scene working together person to person yeah yeah that's good and I agree with what you said about the joy that you see and I think there's something special about it being like a funk show or a jazz show or something where it's like, you know, somewhat indigenous music, you know, it's like we're in this place making this sound that it's not like everyone is part of some like intellectual scene on the internet that they've come and they've dressed a certain way to like, it's like you had people from all different scenes right. who were there to smile, to like, they were in it for that like basic human thing and everyone was getting it. Yeah, yeah. That was good, and especially too, like some of the classes that were out, um, like one of Jose's production classes was out for music entrepreneurship. It's one one of those classes, but it was a whole table full of people, and they weren't musicians, any of them. Mm -hmm. um, they were from the, like business school or something oh, yeah, like right. that. But just seeing how like they're learning this stuff in the classroom, and then seeing people actually perform live, right. and one of them ended up. Um, asking the drummer if they could be his marketing agent. That's cool. <laughs> you know, like, I need to learn the skills. Can, right. Can I just do this for you? Will you allow me to help promote you? And um, and that was with Darius Lee, and, and you know she got him professional photos. Oh, you know, cool. Okay. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And she's just like trying to do the scene, and it's really nice to see that connection happen. Mm -hmm. You know, because you know, I mean, they were doing this before that gig, but Darius was playing on drums, having to be playing on that drums that night right so it's cool for her to be his marketing person telling the table well I'm marketing yeah, yeah. I'm playing with Jose yeah and they're all like whoa you're in the biz mm -hmm. you know like you're doing it that's super cool yeah all of the very very crucial ancillary jobs of marketing and managing and making everything run so that we can get up on stage yeah people don't realize it like how important that is, but you know, you gotta have a producer if you're like gonna do like main stuff and go stuff, and you gotta have somebody that does marketing because yes, you can say, I can do it, you know, I can do it, I can do all that myself, and we can, but then you know, you also can do the playing, and then you also can do the mixing and producing, right. and it's like now you gotta, you gotta be away from the project a little and have some other people do it. But the first time when I started using with like professional producers and marketing people was when I was a musical director for Universal Studios Japan. Right, okay. And that's when I realized, wow, how fast stuff comes together. Right. Like, you know, people... If their only job is facilitating the workflow... Yeah, it's like your, your job is to produce this group, you know, whatever they need, the music, mm -hmm. you know, get it ready for stage. And, you know, you got 24 atmospheres going, atmosphere shows going at once and just watching and seeing real producers in action I had never really really seen it up close and personal you know I had been in groups when I started working for Universal and Disney where producers were, were there but I never ha had to be in charge of them yeah I like, was hearing them, oh right yeah okay. hearing their conversations and what they talk about and the way they think and then and they're like how quickly they can turn a group of people that never knew each other to a show that'll put 80,000 people in a park on a given day, ah. you know, and they're, they're thinking like that. So those, those kind of things I think musicians haven't really tapped into as well as they could, like uh, pop artists do, right? you know, but the main reason is because they usually don't have the resources that pop artists do. Right. Well, just, yeah, how young that is. Cause we think, I mean, even just the separation between like folk music and everything else like we think we associate folk music with like grainy recordings like made by like a musicologist <laughs> but it's like that was just a product of the technology at the time it's like since you know since 2006 or whatever since YouTube yeah it's like everybody in every single genre can be on the same production level and like I agree yeah like pop is there because it's been there because it made it that yeah. but yeah where's like the perfectly produced and now there are you know folk folk pop and everything pop but it's like they could 
even people just purely in their genre could be really producing the heck out of their stuff now. Yeah. You know, that's a cool thing, too, that I'm, like, just finally, Jose's finally dragged me, you know, feet <laughs> screaming into Instagram. Uh-huh. And just, like, how many cool things that I can see in Instagram in five minutes. Yeah. Like, going through there and going, wow, that's a great track. Or some somebody just singing to a track, and I'm like, holy cow, I love that track. Who's rapping, you know? Yeah. Or, or seeing somebody play some music, you know, from their, you know, live takes from their band. Or dancing. Yeah. You know, or practicing. You know, and how quickly I can go like through that and go, wow, this is just so accessible. And the thing that I notice about it is it's all recorded well. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stuff that makes it to the top, it's not only played well, but it's produced well. Yeah. But the thing is, is it's not produced so well that it's out of reach for most of us if it's something that's on social media. I mean, once you get to stuff that's like professionally produced for like YouTube or if it's going to be on like streaming or something, then it kind of like is another level. But in terms yeah. of like Instagram, but yeah, and being on Instagram, because I've been on it producing and also um, consuming stuff for, I don't know, 10, 10 years maybe now, and it's really affected how I make stuff for the better, because it kind of made me realize that I could be in the same group as these like kind of bedroom virtu- virtuoso people, Right. and it just like, because I, cause I could see their process, seeing them post every single day, it's like, okay, I'm understanding now that this is, I'm seeing one minute of a practice session where they probably sit down, it's like five or six times a week, whatever, they know they can have the studio for two hours, and I'm catching, they're like taking notes in their head as they're going through their two-hour practice session, and I'm seeing a highlight. So if I can imitate that workflow, then I can get similar results, and, and I did, 100%. At first, by trying to just go straight for the result, to be like, can I make something that's a minute of this being good, and that turned into a, usually a one hour, two hour practice session because, you know, right. I to sound good. <laughs> yeah. And then I, and it's like, oh, okay. So you end up kind of reverse engineering the workflow, but you end up at the same point. And yeah, I think it really helped me to kind of be able to be in like inspiration mode of like, I'm seeing everything that's happening right now. This is what makes it to the actual top of the real algorithm, at least on this one platform. And so then I'm kind of having an idea of like, okay, I'm calibrated to real life or some proxy of real life. And then I can get in my creative place. But yeah, it's kind of something to measure yourself against and kind of sharpen against and definitely. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you're like, you know all about it. You probably, I I still can't understand it. (laughs) It's still, I'm so so amazed that it's such a popular app. Like, I mean, it's so popular Instagram is. And like, I had no idea how popular, but it's how just amazing, like how many people are actually using this thing. And it's so user unfriendly. Like I don't right yeah it's like when I'm I'm like when I'm like well how do I do that how do how do I get back to the page that I was like well wait a minute I want to you know do this and and I'm just like I'm surprised they haven't updated that app so that it's just so intuitive you know give me a hamburger you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the little three little things so I can pick you know what it is that I want to do when I want to do it but I usually have to go fishing and searching and well it's a fascinating thought because what it means is that the platform is optimized for something else I love thinking about this it, yeah. what it means is that they're getting a result without changing that thing without fixing it right and so the result is people there's competition for both people making stuff and also to see stuff there's competition for people selling stuff and whatever there's enough of it that people are willing to do the extra work on right. the production side because like it only has to be easy enough to see stuff, and it more or less is. Like it is, I agree. There are even still some clunky things, like as just just a consumer of stuff. Yeah. There even still is like some weird stuff. But what it means is that, for better or worse, they are getting that result without fixing that thing. Yeah, yeah. More power to them. <clears throat> but I can't wait till the updated version. Totally. No, I, mean, <laughs> I I agree with you, and it always is better. And it's cool to like be up with the updated version of the software. What's interesting though is that Instagram now, at least. For my little bracket of reality, it seems that it's moving into this new territory of like platforms like LinkedIn, where it's more about to connect with people who are doing the exact same thing that you are. It's more for like lateral integration. Like I find that I use Instagram, yeah, by all means, to like collaborate with people, like finding collaborations. Like, because I'm like shopping, right? As I go through the scroll, it's like, okay, it's either somebody who is like aspirational for me like oh if only I could collab with this person uh, or it's somebody who I know I could or somebody who maybe I think I could inspire I guess it's also like people that I think I can connect with in like a um, 
teaching capacity because I do use social media and, and all that to kind of like try to find relationships with students as well. Um, but it isn't so much like uh, producer to audience, at least for me, as yeah. much anymore Instagram. It seems like that's kind of like, because the, the attention is always kind of squirrely and it seems like it's going to like TikTok and other places now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, what I'm also learning too is like social media actually is a lot of work. Like you gotta, yeah, you gotta work at it. Like I'm, I have been terrible about posting on Facebook, other than you know, okay, I have the my jazz series where I, you know, I'll post the who's playing that night to try and help get the you know kids out, help get those kids out for the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's like, man, I actually got to take time, you know, now and and kind of like get into this whole thing as I'm moving forward in the summer and just spend a little time really nuancing my social media you know appearance right yeah yeah well in the same the the like engineer versus performance thing the conversation in your mind there's also like the social media marketing person versus the social media user the like regular human you know person with a social security number that's underneath because it's like the person whose personal facebook is better they will be a better facebook like marketing person but then both of those things change. Like the game of doing it at the competitive professional level is always changing and the algorithm changes and you gotta be up on that. But then you also have to have some personal connection to the thing to be a good user and so it's like constantly this like yeah. back and forth. Yeah, uh, I'm, I got, you know, I'm hoping that I get better at it because I, I wanna do Instagram and, and put, post some stuff. I was just making a, a little video playing on um, some body and soul and I was like, I bet people would love to hear this because the EBI is just going nuts on mm-hmm. it. Cool, cool. And I was like, but I, I've only posted one video when Jose was here and he was like, here, I'll show you how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, we'll make a video right now and we'll post it. Mm-hmm. And we recorded some song, we, we wrote some song that day. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to get better at it. Yeah, well for me it seems like it's a workflow thing too because a really good Instagram page is about everything kind of having the same look. But then what that means is that I have to be doing the same workflow over and over again to have like, you know, similar lighting or, you know, some kind of through line, either using the same instrument or with the same angle or the same color scheme or something. And I had to just make a whole bunch of random stuff. I mean, the first, you know, I say I've been doing it for 10 years. The first seven or eight years is literally just trying to think of it like a user and just I'm literally just documenting random stuff so it doesn't even look good at all it's literally just taking up space being content and then it's more like stuff that i kind of pick through and gets reposted later that gradually kind of like filters it out right right yeah gonna do some more of that well our our kids are savvy at it i was telling you about um you know our asynchronous big band recordings Mm -hmm. and what we did when COVID hit is, you know, it hit education pretty hard. Right. You know, you have just, boom, shut the doors. Um, so what we did is, you know, Jose and I, is we helped the kids all learn how to get their home recording studio going. You know, how much money can you spend? Okay, here's what yeah, you can buy. Right, right, yeah. Okay, you're having troubles recording and getting this to happen. You know, give us a call. Mm-hmm. You know, and got everybody set up so they could do it. But now, you know... We go and do one of these big band recordings asynchronously, and it's it's like, it's serious business. It's like first you got to lay down the drums with a with you have to have a finale track so right. the drummer can play. You know, mm-hmm. once the band has played the chart, and then um, once those drums get laid down and mixed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, then that goes to the bass player and the, and the keyboardist, and they lay down their parts. Yeah, and then. Then you have to lay down the lead trumpet so all the other people know. So then you have to lay down the lead trumpet part, and then you get that part in, you mix it, uh-huh. and then the then the the um, saxophone and lead trombone, lead alto and lead trombone, put their parts in. And then once you got that framework, once you got the rhythm section and the leads recorded, yeah. you send it out to the band. But the whole time it's coming in, these people are recording in their own their their own closets. Yeah, you know they're recording in, in their house like this in the living room. Mm-hmm. Um, they're recording in their kitchen, you know, there's so many, they're all the tracks have all different audio qualities. Right. Yeah. And so you're bringing them in and then you have to line them up together. Uh You know, you have 20 tracks and you're like going nudge, 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 (laughs) because they're all coming in so differently. Right. But getting them to sound like they all were recording in a studio 
like the same place at the same time, even though they were, it definitely took an art form. And then once you do that, then you got to have all the 20 videos and you have to put them together. Mm -hmm. You know, so the matches to the score. So when this happens, you know, these five people are on. And when that happens, these five people, when this lead player is bopping this note, his face comes up. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you want to have the music as interactive as possible mm -hmm. visually. Um, and it took a while for us to learn how to do that. But now our students know how to do it. And they're making recordings. And like I was telling you, this event horizon has uh, over 50,000 views on it. Right. So that's probably the most views those kids are going to have on the video in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's getting them some exposure. Absolutely. So it's good money. It's a good investment. As opposed to, like, you go in a studio and you get a track and it goes somewhere on Spotify. Nobody sees it or hears it unless, you know, they look for it. Right. And so it's like video content. You type in a jazz band and it comes up and you see them playing. Mm -hmm. Actual their faces. So when they go get a job, let's say they're applying for a job and, and directing a jazz band is in there, and in their content that they're sending to, for the application, they're sending these videos where these people are watching a band totally rip it, right. and they're in the section, they're like, yeah, that kid can do it. Yeah. And that, a lot of the people that would be applying for those jobs won't have that content. 100%. There's you something know? to be said for, here's a video of me doing exactly the thing you asked for. Yeah. And there is just, I don't know, there's a simple pleasure to doing that successfully. Like, when I made that Flu Shots song for for the, for the UF Health, they were making that public service announcement about getting your flu shot, like, way back when I was at the school. It was the the goal was she had just like was mentioning this to people like oh i'd like to do a song like that song shots by lmfao but make it about flu shots and so i just listened to the song and i opened up logic on my computer and i was just like can i just make shots again and i did i like basically made shots again <laughs> i was close enough that like over the phone on speakerphone to someone who kind of had a general idea it would sound just like shots yeah. And it worked, and I got the gig, and I got, it was, you know, the contract and the money and everything, and exactly, nice. it's like, can I produce some stuff using the technology I have to show that I'm doing exactly the task? Right, yeah, and that's that's true, they, and they also see them, you know, playing, and like, if you can, if you can play in a jazz band that tight with music that hard, you're probably going to be able to teach your kids how to do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and mm -hmm. get them happening. But that's kind of one of the cool like things I was talking about where COVID, there's been this terrible thing where musicians have lost so much, but they have gained so much more potential financial success in the future by having these skills, you know, and not being unidimensional, as we know. Right. Like so many musicians, they just sit and wait for the phone to ring. You know, that's, that's the extent of it. They never build their own band. They never get into production. It's right. just like, you know, I, I play saxophone. Where's the phone call? Right, right. You know, and, and that's why they're... That's why they don't do well, most of that. Right, because being the person making the phone call, you understand, like, oh, I know exactly which people I'm trying to call and why I'm trying to call them. And, like, yeah, I've had all kinds of periods of time where I've been, like, oh, like, noticing in making my decisions of who to call things in the past where I didn't get the call and being, like, now I know why <laughs> because I'm now the person on the other side and I understand. Right. That right. I was, yeah, and it was, you know, something didn't, didn't treat someone or speak to someone the right way is probably the biggest, most important thing. I mean, just yes. like period. And it's like how it's, yes. it's like too, I don't know. And that's, <laughs> that's a moving target for a lot of people too. It's like, right. you know, we all learn from different bands and stuff, but yeah, I always really value people that are so easy to work with that. I don't have to micromanage right? because if you have to micromanage someone, there and becomes the rub in, a, in any relationship. Exactly. And so, like, I have my grads that I have now, um, and uh, we have such a great relationship, but they're always like, you know, should I do this? And I'm like, hey, I'm not micromanaging you. Right. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I would say it'd be, like, probably really good if you did it. <laughs> you know, but if they don't, they fall down and they fail all the time. They're in grad school. It's burly. Um, you know, it's not, you know, a stick to the head. It's, it's just like, okay, well, you know, hey yourself back up you know and, and let's let's go ahead and, and do this but I really enjoy working with people and I haven't had to micromanage these guys all year mm -hmm. you know it's been a year of total bliss in the work environment um, because I have and I look for people that I feel like okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have to say hey why didn't you show up to class right. oh man you, you know you missed this gig 
um, you know, oh, you were, you know, always show up late to the bandstand, right. you know, it's like, oh man, you know, you, you showed up, you know, drunk or hammered on the bandstand and I've had, you know, some of that stuff and it's like, man, I don't want to bring those situations into my life. Right. You know, so it's good to, it's good to find people that you work well with that you just take care of their business and, and never gets messy. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I mean, you said it when you say it's a moving target, because it's every new relationship is a new, you know, it's like you've got to reconcile, like, okay, who am I in relation to this other person, which is like our personalities, our backgrounds and everything, and then the musical stuff. Right. And yeah, moving target. <laughs> it is a moving target. And, you know, there's obviously there's a little bit of us and everybody else. Right. You know, so one particular person or friend that you have draws on a, on a, a certain well that brings out certain things and you know you work with another person and you have a different relationship and and then there's some people that you have completely different relationships with like relationships I have say with my chairman right. my dean versus mm -hmm. you know the relationship I have with Blake Rion right you know, <laughs> and, you know it's like so you have these different facets of being uh, you know discovering yourself through people and they teach you things in the process about yourself good and bad yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I could have been, I could have handled that better. Um, right, yeah, because <laughs> that's the thing. I think when you know, you mentioned people showing up drunk on the bandstand, and it's it's like just showing up in a mindset or a mentality where you're not going to perform, where you're going to have some kind of like self doubt or something that's actually working against you. And yeah, it can be emotional as well. You know, like showing up angry or sad in a way, especially if it's you know someone who habitually has problems that might not be musical <laughs> that might right. lead them to yeah mistreat someone at practice or show up late or not in the right mindset and not apologize when you maybe just have to say I'm sorry yeah yeah I think that's that's a really good quality too to just say when you fuck up right <laughs> when you mess up to just say you know, I'm, I'm sorry I did that. I usually tell people these are like PG-13, you know? So it's like, we get one good, well-placed F-bomb, and it's usually like, fine, you know? Because it's like, it is, it is for students, but it's mostly really for like, I don't, I don't even mention it to the like 14 and under students. It's more yeah. for like people, you know, it's like friends, family, colleagues, and some of the like, you know, that age, people who like need to hear adults speaking candidly Right. And like responsibly about, you know, right. using one responsible F-bomb. That's like a good skill to teach the kids, you know? I also, when I'm teaching online, I drink from a three-gallon jug of water because I have some just like key things that are important, like hydration, like yeah. flexibility, yeah. and yeah, like language, like careful use of language. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so true. But, you know, when it comes to people too, it's... um. Uh, nowadays, you know, and oh, back to the, the drinking on the band. Yeah, side. yeah. And that's the job of the band is to drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure, that's the thing. You know, there, there are beer hall bands. Right. Which, like, you're supposed to, you know, even, even if you're not drinking, you do kind of have to create a drinking atmosphere. Right. There is really, alcohol. that is a certain side of the work. Yeah. Yeah, you want their alcohol sales are the best for the club and you want to get hired back. We make money, you know, they make money, we make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things like that. But also, you know, just some fundamental things like you're talking about um, for people doing, you know, just good work are uh, sometimes what people just, they miss the little details of like how to, how to really do that um, effectively while being themselves. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you can be this, you can do that. You know, I love personalities. Like I, I seriously gravitate to eclectic people. You know, I gravitate to almost people on the spectrum that are almost autistic. Exactly. You know, and... and You need those outside thinkers, those outside angles. It makes the music making interesting. It makes me feel comfortable, first of all. That, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, okay, if you're there, I'm cool where I'm at. Right. You know, but then also how to bring that into a, a productive product and is, uh, for yourself is how to, how to use that those things to your advantage to have good relationships and... Um, you know, stay away from poisonous ones. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's the music. It's like, it gets back to ultimately everything that makes you a good musician also makes you a good person to the point of like extreme punniness of like, <laughs> listen when other people are talking and like yeah. support others, yeah. like really basic things. And yeah, it just, it gets cheesy fast, but it's just, I find myself 
the really specific like oh like this is how you properly voice your minor nines and you do it parallel so it sounds really like all of those I'm like ugh whatever I don't care about anything I said the next year but like the basic things like when someone else is talking listen to them and it's like yeah someone's soloing it's like you have to be listening to their solos so that because their volume's going up and down the like their peak moments are happening at, at moments where you have to have set up the moment properly. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because, you know, I was playing trumpet for so long, a linear instrument, and, and going to the piano and being part of the rhythm section has been a whole new experience this last couple yeah. of years. And I was wondering, like, why, like, in the beginning, I was like, I had no chops or anything, you know, I, I could barely get my right hand to do what my left would, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But people kept hiring me and hiring me until, you know, I was like always getting calls. And the reason why is because I was a soloist, I'm when the soloist is soloing You're listening to the solo. I'm listening to the solo and I am backing everything up to make them if they take a third chorus, I'm gonna make the third chorus better. I'm not gonna just sound like a third chorus. Yeah. Yeah, right, it's right. like, okay, you want this energy, you want this, or if they play a specific rhythm, I'm gonna get it. Mm-hmm. And the the rhythm, the instrumentalist, the horn players will like that about my playing, like, oh man, that you made the track sound, the song sound hip from beginning to end. You had peaks and you know, I'm not just in there playing jazz. Right. You know, yeah. It's, like, it's dance. Yeah. It's more dance. Like I'm gonna make your solo dance. Oh, you know, like mm-hmm. this and so those have been some really fun things about being part of the rhythm section is like I now can create those moments that I always wish the rhythm section created for me. Like I play with some rhythm sections and I'm like, oh man, it's so hot every time I play for them. I didn't know play with them. I didn't know why. Right. But now I know why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I want to create those those energy moments for my solos. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, because dynamics and because listening. Yeah. It, I always think of the uh, Victor Wooten example. He taught have you the music lesson in his book, and I listen to it on audiobook, which is really nice because it's him. Yeah. But it's like he talks about supporting people during a solo and like what to do on the bass. This is actually one of the only times that he's very specific about like musically yeah. what to do, and he's like, this is something that I do. Like if it's two choruses, maybe halfway through that first chorus or in the beginning of the second chorus, somewhere to like lead up to a final moment. I'm going to take that root note, whatever I'm on, I'm going to take that up an octave. So I'm in a whole different throatier section of the bass. I'm more like reinforcing the fundamental closer to where the soloist is. And then when I drop back down for that final moment, it creates something that is basically just soft and loud. But then also like it clears out the space so it allows their fundamental now to sing in a different way and you're reinforcing it down below. The band gets louder, everybody feels that. But yeah, I mean that's, you can make on no solo no solo at all you can make somebody just like with their instrument turned off just like making faces but like if you play good dynamics people will be like yeah oh my god amazing solo and they'll be like my amp was muted but it doesn't it felt good yeah yeah one of the other things too I like as being a rhythm section player is I do things differently because um, like for example when I'm taking a piano solo or something and I get into the third chorus and I'm like vamping. Sometimes I just like to vamp a vamp and let the drummer go off before I go into the fourth. Yeah, chorus. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Especially if like we're doing something like you know chameleon or, or you know something that's you know boom 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 yeah boom, yeah. You know, and I'm like we're rocking, we're rocking, rocking, and you're just blowing out a bunch of lines. But then you go yeah yeah yeah. Start laying down that quarter note and let the drummer or just go you know and and use that as an impetus to get into another chorus. Where a lot of soloists, it's like, I play my solo and I don't let you solo during my solo. Right. You know, but I like the drummer and I'm telling my drummers, like, hey man, listen for when I all of a sudden start yeah. playing because that's when the, the music's dancing and I want the drums, like, stepping in and, like, have fun. I agree. I like you know? the interactive solo. Well, yeah. that's the thing, too, knowing the soloist, too, because some people like it really interactive. Some people, they like it kind of bare bones so they can yeah. kind of, like, I want to play what I planned on, you know? They need yeah, a little bit more security. Right. And, like, that's cool. That's because some people right. are just so good at, like, I know I have to hit this moment that, like, you know, you let them go with it. Yeah. But, yeah, knowing what people need yeah. to really shine. It's true. You, it's some people, you know, less interaction from the drums. Some people want more. Yeah. I want my drummer bringing it all the time. Yeah, I, yeah. I just that I just like the drums. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. No, I'm that way too. I always because I just I like it's a conversation, and I find that I always learn the most from the drummer because they're always they don't they're not thinking about harmony and melody, so they're going a little deeper into the rhythmic 
back, you know? Yeah. It's like, in most styles of music that I've been exposed to, like, the percussion gets access. If everybody else is only at the 16th notes, like, he still gets clean access to the 32nd notes. Right. Even if no one else is allowed up there, he, like, he's got the key to make the, like, he can go. So it's like, I'm always kind of, like, learning. I'm always listening. Yeah. I'm, like, studying the drummer. Yeah, Always. that's been kind of like where my head's been at. Me too, wow. man. I mean, anybody in my band will tell you how much time I spend on the drummer. Like, I'm on the drummer all the time. Oh, like, yeah. all right, let's do this, let's do this. And I tell them every time when they're like playing, um, you know, some camps I've been to, and I won't mention names of some very high profile schools at the top of mm. the jazz thing. And they're like, oh, when you play the swing thing, you know, you just hit the rod cymbal, just ding, 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 ding. You don't do anything yeah. else. And I, I'm just the opposite. You know, I just tell my, 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 you know, my drummer, man, I want the monster to come out. Right, like, yeah. I, want you to, I don't want you to just ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you want to play? Now, you don't want someone who's just back there, you know, practicing or jerking around. Right, yeah. But I, I always say, you know, to my drummers, like, just play, let it loose. Like, yeah. I, want you to, I want you to solo the whole track this time. You know, I do this all the time with my drummer. I want you to solo the whole track. I mean, literally the whole seven minutes of the chart. You're just going to be soloing over the band. We don't want you to groove or anything. And then, and then they get used to the fact they have been allowed that freedom. Right. And then when you say, okay, now, you know, pull it back when do that stuff when you want. And all of a sudden, all this stuff is like coming out. Right. Because you, you, you remove those barriers and those curtains. You let them see what it looks like. Exactly. That two-level playing. It is, yeah. There's yeah. something to be said for having like in your head like a nice, clear, coherent backbeat or ride pattern or like whatever that's completely just like stripped down and then you've got the other end of the spectrum which is I'm soloing through the whole tune but to have both of those running cleanly in parallel rather yeah. than this kind of in between like oh don't play too much don't play too little because yeah. you can hear that you can hear that the negotiation going badly yeah <laughs> the negotiation go badly yeah that's so true and I've, and I've also been like in jazz camps where the drummer is literally afraid to play right because, you know they're like oh if someone's gonna you know, tell me I should. It's it's like music school, right? Like when you go into and you're taking music theory, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the problem with it. It's like you spend the first two years learning what you can't do, right? The, exactly. The whole time, it's like nope, can't do that. Oh, yeah. parallel fist. Okay, right. Like, nope, nope, nope. When in reality, you're like, oh, parallel fist. Yes. You you're know, just, like what a yeah, great you're sound. Like learning Why are you teaching me right? to not do? Yeah, that, you're like learning you your palate. It's like the palate is, they're teaching you the way it's supposed, like, oh, you're supposed to get a sour look on your face when you hear that interval move that way. But it's like, sometimes you want that sour look. Yeah. That's where you get to like, oh, I want the parallel face. And, and why, why learn any craft by starting with all the rules? Right. You know, it's like, so, whereas opposed like to jazz theory, when they come in and we're just like, yeah, that's that. You can do that. And you do that. Oh, you wrote this cool tune. It's got two notes. Or it's got all these notes. Yeah, that's you know your stuff. It's like, well, oh, you you don't want to do this worksheet. You would you, would you like to do your own thing? Right, you know, right. Like, what do you got going on? I'll count your work. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, not pigeon. We just we have too much discipline on the the musicians like of today as they come into music school. They're having to learn too much about music from thousands of years ago, and right. they're, and they're not ready to just in two years be functional. You know, because once school is out. And that four years is over, there is no orchestra that the rehearsal they can go to. There is no Winston right. rehearsal. It's like you have to be functional as a creative individual and be able to go out and play in, you know, a quartet, brass band, commercial mm -hmm. band. And it's we see these jazz winders come in from all different fields, astrophysics, you know, um, biology, mm -hmm. and, and we make them into solid working musicians. Uh, in two years. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, it's not hard. It's not hard at all, but it's certainly hard if, if they have to spend two years of music theory writing music they will never write. Right. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it does, like, it. I think it can give you an extremely deep root to know that classical stuff, because I, I really like watching YouTube videos of Barry Harris, and he kind of thinks of himself as like, I am a classical musician, but classical music now includes jazz vocabulary because Absolutely. we are now in the future. But yeah, I don't think there's enough people who are teaching it intuitively because it's like, okay, that's cool that you're learning the classical and Baroque chops, but like you need the Baroque improvisation. Like I think that's where, because the right. reason that the Baroque fugue 
sounds like it does, and the reason that it sounds like the right hand is jamming with the left hand is because it's based off of exercises that involve improvisation. It's like it's right. coming out of like he's like there's a warm up that he does on the organ, and the warm up usually leads to him playing because he's warmed up. So then he improvises, and right. then he gets an idea, and so he begins to write it down. But it's like if you don't teach that workflow. If you're only the person five steps after that who's just trying to reproduce the idea, you don't get, you know, it's like only being the musician, not being the producer on the other side. Right, yeah. So we're trying to fix that right now at the School of Music. Good. <laughs> we're going through some curriculum redesign stuff and thinking about what more the students need, but I'm actually getting ready to, to record the, the students. Um, I came in after the faculty meeting that was Thursday where we were literally covering this issue and you know all the talking heads were all uh -huh. about <laughs> their areas and and um, and I came into jazz band and I just said hey we're just going to talk about this like what what did you what didn't you like about the music program that was here and and what things do you wish that you got out of it and hearing what they said unfiltered was so profound because in a faculty meeting, we can't say those things because people would say we had an agenda or it's rude or right. you know. But hearing them articulate, you know, why are we learning about three thousand year old white dead people, and why is it so important that I learn about that? That it's you know this massive huge history class in so many semesters, and why didn't I get any recording, you know? Right. Why didn't I learn how to write a pop song? We have to go out and like, why can't we participate in the pop song industry and be able to do that with all these theory chops that we've learned? Mm -hmm. You know why? Because they've been taught how hard everything is. Yeah. They don't know how simple it is. And when I took a pop song writing class at North Texas, it was an eye opener because I looked at the piece of music. We were doing a Garth Brooks tune and I was like, C2, F2. I was like, this is so easy. Yeah. I could have been doing this for six, seven years right. and getting really good at it had I had somebody thought this was important right. to me being a functional person in the music industry but instead I'm learning about French and Italian sixes and German sixes that are literally completely useless unless you're going into that field right. where like you know I'm going to be a music theorist for the sake of being a music theorist right? you know study 12 tone music and Shankarian analysis or Stuff like that. It's like, really? But you can't write a pop tune. You got a doctorate in music theory, but you don't know how the ins and outs of how to communicate yeah. to the rest of the world. Well, I think it's just that. I mean, because the industry really did kind of change that fast. I mean, like, to us, 50 years is forever. But to, like, the behemoth of the educational establishment in America, it's like 50 years is nothing. Yeah. They're, like, they're like, what do you mean you no longer like learning about the German Six? You mm -hmm. used to love the German Six. That was your favorite. <laughs> Yeah, like well, it's kind of like well, we call it a flat two chord now. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot easier. <laughs> and and who invented it? Did the the French and Italians? How come they get to name it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like well, we just call it a flat two chord. It's so easy. It's a half step away and goes to one chord. We use it all over pop music right now. Right. You know. But there's no relationship like that. Like right. You know how you hear in movies this. You know, B flat major to C major. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Classic ending. It's like they're not being taught. Like this is how you use that information to that is being used all over the television. Every, yeah. Every single hour. Because I was kind of taught that it like wasn't a classy move to associate it with a specific piece of music. Because they're like, oh well, you'll bias yourself towards this or that. But it's like now in real life, like it is relevant like oh it's that chord motion from that one part in that one movie and like because it's yeah. not it isn't for my mind it's for when i'm communicating it to other people like that's what i need yeah but i guess that's the missing step is like we make people very very smart islands of like i know everything for three thousand years but you can't talk to anyone who exists right now <laughs> yeah that is so true Anyway, oh, back to my point. Um, so this Tuesday, when I go into Jazz Band after Jazz Band, we're going to videotape these on the phone. Cool. These little cameo 30 seconds. Here's what I really wished I got. Here's what oh, we wow. Really, okay, wow. What we really Powerful. need. And um, here's why I don't understand why we have to study this. Like, what is, please explain the relevance. <laughs> right. And then um, put those together, and we're going to present those to the faculty so that, so that they can hear from students specifically. You know, for, for one thing, like you say, jazz, 
jazz is America's only art form. We invented it, and people come into our music schools and don't learn it. Right. And it's also pervasive now because of all of the international and global composers that are all using styles from around the world. Mm -hmm. Jazz is in every single wind symphony piece now. Right. Jazz is in, you know, um, pops orchestras and stuff. And you're hearing these, like, islands of people, these classical players who are all snooty about the lead trumpet player who uses the little bitty pee thing. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're in the middle of a pops concert and they can't do a shake. Right. And they can't go, but Well, yeah, I appreciate you making the time, and it's good to see you again. See, in real life, in the flesh, in the face, to see anybody is a big deal, so thank you for that, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I usually, I ask people to deliver, like, a a time-specific message of just, maybe even for this day, how, you know, how can people best enjoy this time right now? It's, like, March, it's springtime, and, uh... Yeah, like, what do you, how, how should Well, you thanks for that? having me here. I mean, it's just, uh, it's great to connect with you. I mean, your spirit and your soul and just the way that you kind of walk this earth is something I've always, like, admired and respected. Oh, thanks. Um, nice but, uh, yeah, for today, <clears throat> I would say, you know, people want to feel better. They want to go out there. They want them to feel better. Just find someone to help. So try to help someone today and don't feel like you need to get anything back. But, you know, the more people you help, actually that karma gets out there and it feels good and you have resources and you wake up one day and you're like people are coming back and helping you and a great example we had a jazz minor that was here um Vishnu and he was great and he you know wasn't you know like the craziest burning all musician but he always was creative and he took lessons from uh, Zach mm -hmm. Chester mm -hmm. and uh now he's gone on and he's got this company he got this contract and he's hired Zach Chester as his media marketing guy. Oh, that's cool. And to do his websites, and he's paying him large, and it's like, you know why? Because Zach was good to him, even when he wasn't good at music. That yeah. didn't matter to him. He's like, so the people you help now, he, he has a, a new job that supports his family from this one really nice investment of being kind. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thanks a lot for doing this, man. Yeah, brother. We'll do it again.